0: Everybody. this is Chi Xiao, this is yet another episode of Salesforce Way Podcast. Today I'm so happy to sit in with Matt Goldsbing. Hey. Hello, Matt. Hey. hey. <laughs> Would you please introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, so my name's Matt,
1: I am from the UK, and I currently work at Velocity as a UI developer. So I've been with Velocity since 2014, and that's also the experience that I have on Salesforce is all with Velocity. Um So, yeah, everything I've learned about Salesforce has been there, and I've kind of picked up on different parts of the Salesforce ecosystem along the way. And right now, I'm kind of working on all the Lightning Web Components that has just been released by the guys, which is really exciting.
0: That's cool. You get the chance to work with the cutting edge stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're all over it. Everything we're doing is now Lightning Web Components.
0: Oh, I so I admire you. you (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, along the topic is that uh, I saw your article in, S- in Salesforce uh, developer blog, and it's talking about the locker service, right? Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think you do have some experience with the locker service.
1: Yeah, so before we uh, started in Lightning Web Components, we've done a lot of playing around with Aura and just the Lightning platform in general, um, and we were on the pilot program when it was launched back in, it was even 2014 or 2015, mm-hmm. and Locker was one of these things that was almost like a blocker to us to really adopt Aura because at the time it was so new and had a lot of kind of restrictions in it that we couldn't take our existing UI code, which was written in AngularJS at the time, bring it into Aura, Um, but we kind of kept a track of it and kept revisiting it. And over time, it's evolved and improved. Um, And now it's at a state where we can do crazy things like import a whole Angular JS app into it. But it's kind of been one of my little passions on the side to understand security technologies. And for me, Locker is one of these things where, from a developer perspective, it can be a bit frustrating and get in the way of what you want to do. From a kind of architectural security perspective, it's it's a piece of ingenuity. It's, it's really clever. It's really smart. It solves a lot of security issues that I know that I've faced in the past in other companies. Um, and I think it's one of these technologies that's just been very misunderstood. Um, and I think a lot of people's frustrations that I've seen within Velocity, for example, has come from those early days where it wasn't really as stable and mature as it is today. Um, and you know, looking at where it is today, you can kind of show people that it does do everything that it should do, which is, you know, from a security perspective, which is good. But it also allows you as a developer to do the things that you need to do as well, using whatever
0: frameworks you need to use. Because, you know, for the Locker service, to me, it's a black box. Mm-hmm. I, I just try to to deploy my code, the front end code to the Lightning component or lightning web component and then I start to see whether it works or not. That's how like naively yeah. I try to do my stuff. When it, when I hit the wall then I go back. But but you do have more experience with the locker. So how can I understand this black box? Should I as a developer understand that? And what kind of things, you know, does it tackle? Yeah.
1: So I think the first way to to really understand it is to understand why Salesforce have implemented it. You kind of need to approach it differently as a Salesforce developer than a regular web developer. So if you look at a regular web developer, you kind of own the whole platform. So if you look at something, say, like the Google homepage, the Google developers kind of own that whole page. They own the server. They own whatever front end Frameworks they want to use, um, any libraries they want to include, all of that is under their control. And it's the same for kind of other websites. You know, if you think of the Facebooks and Netflix, um, anything like that, those developers are all internal and they own everything. Mm-hmm. If you put yourself now into the Salesforce world, you typically have a lot of different companies and partners all writing small pieces of the user interface and it's all going to live on the same page together. So we might have people um, like at velocity writing components, you might write some web components. Um, we may have people from you know the Deloitte's and Accentures, or even just people that are in-house developers at different companies um, using Salesforce, all writing components that are gonna live on the same page. And the challenge with that is that with with regular JavaScript and CSS, it's kind of a bit of a, a global nightmare in the sense that I write some CSS. Um, And it may style, say, paragraph tags. But Mm -hmm. if your component uses paragraph tags, my CSS is going to go and affect and change the look and feel of your paragraph tags. Mm. And if you go down to the JavaScript level, it's a similar thing. You you can kind of run things like query selectors to get a hold of different elements in a page. But if I can suddenly get a hold of your um, element, so let's say you have a form field in your component, and I can get a hold of it, and I can go and see what data someone's entered, and let's say that that data was meant to be secure between your server and the customer, I'm not meant to go to anything with velocity, then we've kind of you know, leaked suddenly a lot of data between two different or three or four different parties that shouldn't have access to that. So you, for developers, you kind of have to rethink and kind of accept the fact that you're just a participant in a little box on a screen, and you don't own the whole page. And you have to really think about, well, what are my restrictions now because I'm in this box? Um, And so Locker is the kind of technology that, I guess, reinforces the security and the isolation of your little sandbox for your component. Um, And and the way that they do it is really smart. I can go into more technical detail, (laughs) but at at a high level, it essentially Mm -hmm. stops my CSS from touching any of your CSS so, I could write a paragraph tag CSS rule, but it would only touch my component and not yours. Um, and similarly, mm-hmm. I can query for some DOM elements using the, the query selector API, but it would only give me back the elements that are in my component and not anything in anyone else's component.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, can I, in, in a way, can I think of it like the multi tailored cloud, like mm-hmm. as a Salesforce, right? Yeah. So we are sitting in maybe the same server, but we're different customers of Salesforce. So we are not allowed to see their data. We're not allowed to see their metadata. Yeah. So somehow there's a way to handle this boundary between these customers. So in this case, it's like different uh, maybe slots that uh, as a developer, I can go to the front end page, click the editor, and then you know drag those components into those slots onto the page. Those are kind of boundaries, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So that that slot is your boundary for your aura component or lightning web component, and and you can't leak anything out of that. Um, and similarly, no one can kind of leak anything into you to you know take data or mess up how your component looks and feels.
0: Hmm. That's cool. <laughs> but uh, you know, as the beginning tutorial, I don't really want to go into those details. And you mentioned that it's all the time evolving, right? Mm -hmm. At the beginning, it wasn't so easy to, you know, add those like Angular or React uh, kind of libraries on top, but now it's getting much better. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So one of the ways that they kind of do this sandboxing is that they insert proxies for some of the the kind of standard, um, I guess, web developer APIs. So things like the document and the window object that are always global in a browser.
0: Mm -hmm. And so
1: one of the challenges they faced is that there's a lot of different methods and properties that exist on these. Um, And so they've had to find ways to basically lock it down to only let developers have access to safe versions of all of those. And I think that's the thing that's taken them a long time to do because there's always new methods and properties added to these in all the different browsers. And so kind of opening them up slowly to, Make sure that they're secure and also work consistently across browsers has been, I think, one of the big challenges for the guys at Salesforce. Um, but you know, it, the state that it's in right now is they've they've kind of implemented a lot of these APIs so that pretty much every library works. Um, you know, things like React, jQuery, D3
0: will all safely work inside of Locker Service now. Hmm. Maybe just a side question is that it's hard for me to grab this uh, Locker service. Is it like, a, like an Apex code implementation or is it like a JavaScript? Or what is it?
1: So it, it, it's in JavaScript. And essentially, okay. when you upload your component to Salesforce um, mm-hmm. and the web page that you load in Salesforce wants to render your component, it downloads the code from Salesforce and then it puts it, into locker service, into a little container, basically, that locker service sits around. Um, mm. And so when you have some code in your component that says, asks for a different DOM element, what you're really doing is asking locker service, hey, can you give me the safe version of this method to call? Um, and locker service then takes care of making sure you only get pieces of the HTML and DOM that are safe for your component. So, okay. it, it just sits in this kind of own little, um, I guess, sandbox, security sandbox okay. that Locker just manages for you and makes sure that you don't escape out of and no one escapes into.
0: OK. I got it. So, if I check the HTML source, I'm able to see there's like a Locker.js file loaded. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's you know, Salesforce did a nice thing of kind of minifying and, and compressing okay. and, and rewriting everything. So you, it's not very easy to to see. Um, it it okay. did used to be uh, open source in the Aura project. I, I have a feeling that it disappeared recently when they kind of um, moved Aura, oh, moved away from Aura to more LWC. So I, I don't know where that mm-hmm. code lives now, um, but you used to be able to look at it. But you can, there is something called the... Locker API Viewer, um, which if you go to the developer docs for Lightning Web Components, you'll see that there's a tab at the top. Um, And that basically lists all of the um, standard API functions from things like the window object, the document object, and the element object. And it says mm-hmm. which ones are supported in Locker. It gives you kind of a nice green, red, and orange. So you know, green means it's fully supported and compatible. Red means it's not supported at all, and then yellow means it's kind of semi-supported, but there are some kind of quirks that you need to be aware of. So you okay. can you can see what APIs and things are there um, to be able to sort of check your code against.
0: That's a very useful information. So you mentioned it's Locker API viewer. It's yeah. a web page, right? It's, it's a, a web developer. Page developer side. Of yeah. Salesforce. Okay. Yeah. I will, I will get that link from you later and put it sure. in our show notes. Sure. Hi, here's a quick note. Don't forget to check the show notes of this episode where you can find short video teasers, the guest contact information, the important complementary materials, and my own learning points among many other useful information. In addition, I have also started a YouTube channel to share important stuff I learned from my guest. If you are serious about your Salesforce developer journey, you should definitely consider subscribing to this channel. And obviously, the name of this YouTube channel is Salesforce Way. Now, let's get back to the show, shall we? And actually, I have read your article in the developer blog. There was one thing uh, you mentioned. I think it's quite interesting. It's called a third-party JavaScript library isolation. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Don't worry. That was quite a funny thing. So could you open it up, what that means?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, typically when I say third-party, I mean that JavaScript libraries that are written by someone that aren't myself um, or the, the company that's writing the component. So we normally class things like jQuery, Angular, React, Moment, JS, D3. All these open source libraries are typically referred to as third party libraries. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the spirit of good web development, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. So we want to try and reuse good frameworks and libraries inside of our components. So, a good example of this is uh, Moment.js. So Moment.js for web developers is a very popular date manipulation library. And it allows you to do really simple date calculations. So for example, um, if I was to give it my date of birth, it could tell me how old I am today or you know how old I will be on a certain date in the future. Um, and it does all sorts of things. You know, it can format it to different time zones, so it gets used very heavily. And one of the challenges that you typically have as a web developer when you're not in the Lightning world is that if you have different um, components that want to use Moment JS, they may be using mm-hmm. two or three different versions of Moment JS, and you kind of have to because of the kind of global nature of a web page in JavaScript. You, you kind of have to stick with just one version. And so mm-hmm. then you you have to figure out, okay, well, will the version that I use work with the version that this other component needs, or, or am I going to have to switch to their version? and I'm going to have yeah. to run all my regression tests and, you know, all these kind of common issues crop up. Now the, the beauty of Locker, and this is where I think one of the things that Locker does really well is that Locker, isolates the libraries that you load into your component. In the same way it isolates your code from other components, it will isolate the Moment.js library that we might load into our component. So I can load version 2.15 of Moment.js, but your component might load 2.11 of Moment.js. And it wouldn't be a problem, because of the way lockers isolated these two uh, components we can have two versions of a moment living and running on the page at the same time, in a way that you just can't do with standard JavaScript. So, in, in some ways, while Locker is restrictive, it's actually more um, flexible to be able to do some crazy yeah. things like that.
0: Okay, but does it have any side effect? For example, we're loading too many the the you know the instances. Yeah. So, so, so- the memories
1: exactly yeah so there are some obvious downsides to this so a common example i always give to people is that you know we say that you can use a library like react in your page um, to write components and a lot of people you know like to write react components because it's you know it's a popular well-known framework it's well tested um and it has a lot of functionality that people need but the problem is is that if I was to write a React component using React 15 and you were to reuse one um, written with React 16, we're now downloading two versions of React onto the same page. And yeah. we're suddenly having to download all this extra JavaScript to do something that could be done with a shared framework. And yeah. I think that's one of the things where, you know to, to sidetrack onto promoting LWC, that's one of the areas where I think LWC will actually help solve some of these um, framework battles that we might have in components because with okay. LWC, you really don't need React anymore because it's essentially its own UI framework that's very similar to React. But yeah, you, mm-hmm. to go back to your original point, you're right that having too many versions of the same framework on a page is just going to slow it down and increase okay. the memory.
0: Just a quick question I just popped up in my head. If we have two components loading the same version, would uh, Locker smartly know that, okay, we just need one copy?
1: Uh, it, it does if it's from the same static resource. So, okay. you know, if you're writing a managed package like we do at Velocity, then we will mm-hmm. always use the components that are the frameworks that are uploaded in a static resource. And in that okay. case, then yes. But, you know, if, if you know, in Velocity we use React 15 and then, you know, some other companies use React 15 as well and then we Mm -hmm. had their components. Unfortunately, it would still load the two separate versions because they're from their own
0: packages. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Um, So a lot of time, we need to use many of those famous uh, third-party libraries you already mentioned, like Angular, React, and D3, even the Google Map. Mm -hmm. So is there a good way for me to decide, okay, in our project, we are going to choose this one, so we are we we are safe to use this library.
1: Yeah. So uh, there are a couple of things. So uh, firstly, one thing that we've started to do a lot now is to kind of really question: Do we need this framework? Is you know the features that it provides um, you know superseded by browser standards? So a really good example of this is jQuery. Um, a lot of people used to always include jQuery because it abstracted all these differences in browsers and added some extra functionality. Nowadays, you don't need to use jQuery. All of the kind of core functionality is implemented by all of the browsers already. So you're not really benefiting from including something like jQuery. Um, Another example that you kind of mentioned there would be, say, Google Maps. And Mm -hmm. the guys at Salesforce now have a a Maps component that you can use. So where possible, I would probably say just use that um, instead of trying to include Google Maps yourself. But there are going to be kind of examples where you do need to um, include these frameworks. So D3 is is a good example of something that a lot of people use to create dynamic charts and graphs and Mm -hmm. data visualizations. Um, And kind of one problem that people always used to hit was, well, is this going to work inside of Locker Service at all? Is it even worth me trying to write a component that uses it and upload it? So mm-hmm. one of the other tools that Salesforce have provided now, which is another tab on the, um, lightning developer docs I spoke about before is called okay. the, uh, the locker console. And essentially what that is, is a little JavaScript playground where you can copy and paste, say the contents of D3 into a little text area on it and mm-hmm. hit run. And it will tell you if it will throw an error inside of locker, um, or if it will kind of work fine. And essentially what it does is it tries to run the code through Locker on that web page and let you know. So that's a really useful tool. We've used it a few times recently to kind of evaluate some other libraries that we needed to use um, to kind of save ourselves the hassle of figuring out, okay, is this going to work or
0: not? This is a very useful information. So give me the link later, then I'll put it in. <laughs> yeah, I, I will, for we'll sure. We'll have will. all these little tools. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but then I think that just the decision in general will just be based on, well, if it solves all our needs and it works in Locker, then, you know, we should probably go ahead and use it if if that's the right thing to do. And I think that that decision at the end of the day will always come down to the developers and the team that are writing that component um, and just kind of awareness as to the implications of including, say, your own version of D3 or, or whatever it is inside a component?
0: Yeah. You know, to me, I started to learn the Lightning Web component. And there are those sample libraries uh, released mm-hmm. by Salesforce. And those codes, more or less, they are really simple, really basic. How to uh, cross communication between different components, how to you know show the different uh, items, But uh, when the project gets complicated, I'm not really sure how to do those stuff. I I don't really find any open source project online that, for example, we can really mimic those functionalities or features in Angular or in React. So I don't know from my point of view how powerful the Lightning Web Component. I just heard this is like the modern standard, right? Mm -hmm. We have this uh, web component.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. I would say that the best examples to look at for something a little bit more complete are the um, that kind of bigger applications that Salesforce have built and shipped. So I know that there are some kind of um, recipe examples which show small examples of, sort of the hello world and how to do simple mm-hmm. data binding, but yeah. they have some good ones. Like there's a, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but I think it's, it's a kind of an e-bike store where you can drag okay. and drop um bikes into a shopping cart, uh, which is, it's a really good example because it shows how to do something complex. Like how do I do drag and drop between two different Lightning web components, which is in the past in Aura has actually been really difficult to do. But with Lightning web components, you can see it using just the standard browser drag drop APIs to move a piece of data from one component on the screen to another. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would always start at these kind of bigger examples. And then I, I I think that a lot of the, you know, bigger sort of architecture questions about how do we structure, you know, a number of web components to build a larger application, you can actually look at how people do this with React um, and other frameworks like, I mean, Polymer is a good example to compare against because Polymer is another uh, um, web component implementation. Um, And a lot of the principles about, you know, separating out, components and sending messages between the two apply equally across these frameworks. It's just that there might be some API differences, but the the general architecture of messaging and data passing and isolation of components is is really the same. It's all about component isolation, writing reusable, small, simple components, and then kind of puzzling them together with a larger application component that kind of mediate between them all. So it's really, you know, there's not something special to I say to say LWC and Lightning Web Components mm-hmm. in general. It's mm-hmm. really just, you know, I think taking just good architectural decisions um, mm-hmm. and really remembering that, you know, a component should be isolated. It shouldn't be able to do things outside of itself. And mm-hmm. therefore you need to kind of think about how does that um affect the decisions that we're going to make architecturally for all our components
0: okay thanks a lot i recently started to learn the unlocked package and mm-hmm. people always tell me okay start design your package and if right. you come back to landing web come out and it's the same thing
1: <laughs> edit, edit. you always need to take a step back i think to figure out okay what am i going to do here because yeah. I, I can start hacking away at code and then in, you know, a couple of hours i will be like, Oh my Lord, what have I done? You know, you have to, <laughs> you have to always take a little step back and think about, okay, how am I going to approach this and, and build this up?
0: Thanks, Matt. I think we had a really good conversation. Do you ha- still have something else you want to add?
1: No, no. I, I, I think I um, I just thank you very much for, for inviting me on the podcast. It's been great to talk about Locker and LWCs and, uh, yeah. yeah, I hope people find it useful and, and interesting. Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: Thanks, Matt. It's great talking with you. And you. Yeah. Thank you very
1: much. Yeah, bye-bye. All right,
0: bye. If you enjoyed listening to this session and want to have a really easy way to support this podcast, why don't you give us a quick rating or even a review on whatever channel you are listening to this show? If you are using iTunes, just go to salesforceway.com slash iTunes. It should open up the iTunes page for you. I read pretty much all the reviews you leave over there. And it really helps other people discover this show. So your support is very much appreciated. And I'm super grateful you have spent your invaluable time with me here. And I'd really love to hear how you think about this podcast. At last, I hope you are doing well, taking care, and see you next time.